Welcome to American Patchwork and Quilting Radio, your one stop for creative inspiration. We have a terrific hour of ideas and tips for you today, so let's get to it. Here's your host, Pat Sloan. Welcome to American Patchwork and Quilting's podcast. I am your host, Pat Sloan. Whenever I'm out on the internet and I sort of cruise around and I happen upon some beautiful embroidery i'm always really drawn to that i'm like oh you know who's the maker what is this all about and that's how i found kathy shaw i saw some absolutely gorgeous embroidery work and of course followed the trail and ended up at kathy's doorstep so thanks for being here kathy well thank you for having me pat now, the embroidery that I saw of yours uh, was a crazy quilt um, you piece that you had uh, had shared online. When did you get interested in crazy quilting? Well, I, I first became interested in traditional quilting, mm-hmm. um, and I had my friend Kelly Pruitt to thank for that. She invited me to attend a quilt class with her uh, in Indianapolis, Indiana, when I lived up there at Kay England's Quilt Shop uh, way back in the late 80s. So you can guess about my age about now, probably. <laughs> and uh, honestly, I just went along as a favor to her, uh, mm-hmm. just so she didn't have to go by herself. But as soon as we opened the door to that shop and I saw all of that gorgeous fabric, Oh, those beautiful quilts on the wall and even hanging from the ceiling. The the feeling, I, it was just like coming home. And mm-hmm. uh, I was just totally hooked on quilting from that day forward. And then around 2007, another friend invited me to sign up for a crazy quilt block swap. And, okay. Uh, aren't, aren't friends wonderful? I know. <laughs> Mine I, get me into all kinds of trouble. <laughs> so, Kathy, did you, did you know at that point what you were getting into when they're like, oh, let's do this swap and this crazy quilting? Did you really understand, like, the level of effort that would be? I hadn't, I hadn't a clue. <laughs> I really didn't know at all what I was getting into, but of course by that time I'd been quilting for quite a while and I really enjoyed working with threads and I, sewing and crocheting and cross stitching, but my embroidery squi- skills, excuse me, were, they were pretty minimal. So I was in a bit of a panic after I signed up on what to stitch on these blocks, but I did finish them and the ladies who received them, they, they, they loved them, but I was an absolute total mess through the entire process. <laughs> and uh, that panic was not a good feeling. And it, mm-hmm. But it did spur me on to do more and to learn more. Um, but I was working full-time, and I was traveling a lot. I, I was working with the Army as an analyst, a civilian, and my mm-hmm. time was limited. Uh, so I didn't feel like I had a lot of time to experiment with new stitches. But I did wonder how many crazy quilt seams might I be able to do with what I currently knew, uh, with only the few stitches that I already knew. So you sort of gave yourself a challenge at some point while you were, um, you know, while you were traveling for work and everything. Were you also writing about this online yet? I hadn't started writing about it when the thought first came to me, but uh, to keep myself you know, on point with it, I decided to start a blog. Oh, and, and <laughs> why not? I know, right? Why not start four new things at once? You know, right. and uh, <laughs> so I began a blog to document my progress, and and I even named my challenge. I call my challenge Twelve Dozen in Twelve Months." Ah, and uh, so the blog was initially dedicated just to documenting my progress on creating these seam designs and stitching them, and you know, posting pictures of them, and even today I still have the blog and readers can still scroll all the way back to the beginning if they want to, way 
back to 2007 and uh, read all those, you know, look at those first seams that uh, my blog is at shawkl.com. So it's uh, pretty easy to find. Really creative. Last name, first initial, middle initial. So. <laughs> What's well, cute? It's it's really cute. You know, I like fun names like that because they can remember your name. You know, they can remember Kathy Shaw. So shawkl design. So shawkl.com. Very. So yeah, when really simple. When you started doing all of this and and you went through that first year, did did it sort of change your focus of quilting or was it just like, okay, I did that and I'll go back to what I did before? Well, initially I thought, well, you, you know, it might be a little diversion, but as that challenge continued, it totally ch- it changed it changed my life, not just my quilting life. Mm. <laughs> so, so but, uh, what when you say it changed your life, is that because you started writing about it or teaching? What happened? Well, I had already been teaching traditional quilting courses mm-hmm. uh, to any group or individual that would listen to me, really. <laughs> so, as, uh, you know, I'm sure you know how that is. You've been teaching a long time, like I have. So, mm-hmm. and uh, but as the interest of the blog challenge started picking up, and folks following the blog started encouraging me then to share more about how I use templates to mark the seam designs, because since I really wasn't quote an embroideress, you know, I. Mm-hmm. I my, I catalog myself as a quilter, but not really as a stitcher, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so they kept encouraging me, and that led me to take all the seams. They were uh, all those 12 dozen and 12-month seams and put them into a workbook, just a little black-and-white book mm-hmm. um, that sh- listed all the designs. And it made it available and easy for people to be able to acquire it, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, I kept teaching traditional classes and crazy quilt classes, um, and in my blog, I started teaching on the blog itself in um, basic crazy quilt classes and some technique classes. I teach at the local college. So teach, uh, teaching is a big part of my life. Mm-hmm. Now, when you're teaching, do you, are you doing it more locally then or did you, you know now or were you traveling? The greatest part, uh, I did more traveling in the earlier times, mm-hmm. but now the uh, I have so many, I have over Oh, hundreds of ladies that sign up on the blog for these classes every year. So every day I'm dedicating probably two to three hours a day on classes, feedback and, you know, new classes and uh, different things like that. And uh, the ladies seem to have a lot of fun with it, and that has led me to publish more books. So I now have uh, three full-color volumes of books on Amazon, and uh, they're all about crazy quilting, although I do teach other things, but they're all about crazy quilting, and the uh, first volume is really a crash course in everything related to crazy quilting, so, you know, if somebody just wanted yeah. to know, uh, like me at the very beginning, and really had nothing to, <laughs> nothing to go mm-hmm. by, uh, and it's called Beyond the Basics, and then I came out with another book because everyone kept asking me for more information more about information, silk ribbon embroidery. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, how do so, you do your flowers? You know, what, what what about the little flowers? What if I want something that's bigger? Can you show me how to do this? So yeah. I came out with a second book, and I call it Ribbon Embellishments. And um, then I decided that uh, all the seams that I had done in the past, since they were all black and white, I decided mm-hmm. since I was getting a little better at my uh, design skills on the computer, that I needed to come out with something that showed all the uh, uh, you know different seams, and but in a color so you can really appreciate right. them. So I well, designed tell- 500 new ones uh, on wow. top of the other 12 dozen in 12 months, and uh, 
uh, that was my third book. So right now I'm working on a fourth book. It, it's not a volume book, but it's a book with C&T Publications. I'm super excited about that. This is my first really professional endeavor into uh, creating a book. So well, tell I me hope that it's going to be out by this autumn. Well, that's that's we'll be watching for that. Now, I want to I want to get some tips from you before we run out of time. So, you know, when you talk about templates, would you explain what that is for for those who, you know, never, you know, we have a lot of my audience might not have have used that or know what the term means for stitching. Okay, sure. Well, my first templates were made on grid paper, and I simply drew the seam and broad. But what are they for? What do you, what is, what's the They're purpose? They're to guide of? you so that your stitches are uniformly spaced, they're the same okay. height. It just to keep my work from looking like a chicken walked across it. So <laughs> the first ones I did were on grid paper, and I simply drew the seam design out, and I, then I put little dots where the needle would go up or go down through the fabric. And I used a large needle to punch out a hole where each of these dots was located, and that made my template. And I laid it down on my fabric, and I used just a regular little sharp number two pencil, and I marked a dot in each of those holes. And then where those dots were on my fabric, that guided my needle to go up or go down to create whatever stitch I was using. So you didn't leave the paper on there. You actually would just, it was truly a template that you would reuse then. Absolutely, and it's just for marking. Mm -hmm. So you still have to have a little understanding of how to create the embroidery stitch, um, Mm -hmm. which requires maybe if you don't already know that, you would have to go and get some instructions, you know, on Mm -hmm. how to do that. Um, And that goes back to what the classes are all about, so that you don't have to go through all of that, you know, all of my handouts. The basic class alone, I have 100 pages in handouts. Mm -hmm. So that's so it's, yeah. It's really nice to be able to watch somebody or to you know to read or see like you know the diagrams because that's super helpful um, for learning the embroidery stitches. Do you you know, Kathy, when you're um, working, you know, a lot of people who are familiar with sort of vintage crazy quilts think of all these different textures, velvets and wools and things. But a lot of quilters just have mostly cotton. So is that okay for the blocks? Oh, I think it's wonderful, and uh, I actually encourage my students to use cotton. Um, I find most people signing up for classes, especially because the classes are free classes, that uh, there are a lot of quilters signing up for them, uh, more so than, in, than than people who come from the embroidery background. And they they like me. They have a lot of tone-on-tone fabrics and solid fabrics and small prints, which are all wonderful to use in uh, crazy quilt blocks. And uh, I, I like to tell my students that the quilt block itself when you piece it it becomes the canvas Mm -hmm. and then the embellishments which are the main focus of any crazy quilt the embroidery work the beads the charms the silk ribbon work these are all the things that are going to bring uh, color and life to the quilt so would you have to back it with anything if you're doing a small project, um, you don't need a big, you know, heavy backing. But crazy quilting is created on a foundation uh, fabric okay. because it does need some stability. We usually begin with a piece of muslin or a scrap piece of, you know, plain, you know, cream or cotton, uh, cream or white cotton, and on top of that we piece the block. So that gives us starting out a double layer to work with. But now if you're doing an entire quilt, a full size quilt, and you can imagine mm-hmm. all the beads 
beads and buttons and, you know, things right. that are uh, in your embellishing, this quilt becomes very, very weighty, very heavy. Right. So you, <laughs> it, it won't hang nicely like a traditional mm-hmm. quilt might. So you have to also do another backing on the okay. back, and it needs to be structured so it's not very thin. It needs to be something other than uh, just one layer of cotton. Kathy, this has been so much great information. Uh, I will encourage everybody to come visit you at shawkl.com. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, Pat. It's been a joy. We'll be right back. the 1 million pillowcase challenge in March for the ultimate pillowcase competition. Gather a team and compete in one of two categories during the month of March to make pillowcases, earn points, and maybe be crowned the ultimate pillowcase champion. The top three teams in each category will be awarded cash prizes. Even if you're not forming a team, you can watch all the action with weekly voting and daily prizes. Visit allpeoplequilt.com backslash pillowcase madness for more information. Quilt Along with us in 2017. Join our fourth annual Quilt Along by stitching a wall hanging, a throw, or a one-block table topper, or all three projects. Visit allpeoplequilt.com backslash quilt along for a list of participating bloggers and designers and to see photos of what staff members and other readers are sewing. Share your photos on social media by using the hashtag APQQuiltAlong to join the fun. Welcome back to American Patchwork and Quilting's podcast. I'm your host, Pat Sloan, and our show is brought to you by Moda Fabrics. So this is like another segment on hand stitching, which I find really exciting because it's a totally, totally different concept that Heidi Parks does than Kathy Shaw. So we get to explore another way of uh, stitching things together. And Heidi's tagline uh, for her website is Artist Quilts Mending. And you're going to find out mending is not what you think it is. So Heidi, I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you. Thank you, Pat. I'm excited to be here. You know, tell me a little bit about your sewing, you know, backstory. You know, how did you get into working with fiber? So I come from a family with a lot of sewers in it. My grandmother organized a collaborative quilt for me before I was born. Everyone mm. in my family made a square. Oh, my. And I, yeah, it was beautiful. It was a very inspiring quilt, and it was so mm-hmm. fun growing up to slowly learn how to read and be able to know which ant made which square and, and all of that information. And my mom would always sew Halloween costumes for me, and there was a sewing machine and a needle and thread always mm-hmm. within access. So uh, I definitely come from a family that did a lot of that. And then... When I was in college, in art school, I was 
mainly thought of myself as a ceramic artist. That was Mm -hmm. my interest. And in a way, I kind of thought sewing was so easy and so accessible (laughs) that I'll take a class where I have access to the kiln and all these fancy Mm -hmm. materials and these difficult things. And it really took me till my junior year to realize that No, in fact, my heart was in textiles, and that's why I had been pressing lace into clay for years. And and why I took a metalworking class. Yeah, Yeah, I took a metalworking class, and that's when I made my first quilt. So, of course. (laughs) Um, Yeah, of course. That's what everyone does in a metalworking class. Right. So, so that's where I really found my voice and started to identify as a fiber artist. Oh, that is so interesting. It's sort of like your 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 brain finally went like, hello, hello, you know, this is... Yeah. <laughs> come on over. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, <laughs> and all my professors, too. I was at the School of the Art Institute of Chicago, and one of their strengths is suggesting that students try things in other departments and get out of whatever rut they're in. And so... Um, yeah, I was crocheting around my drawings in my drawing class, the little lace around the edge, and they said, you know, maybe, Heidi, a good idea would be a fiber art class. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, you know, I think back in college, I embroidered during, like, statistics and stuff. I did embroidery. Oh, to, yeah. Like, you know, yeah. to concentrate. <laughs> you always had something. So when, you know... Tell me a little bit about how this mending part of your, um, of what you do, because it's part of your business, but it's part of what you do personal. It's part of how mm-hmm. you incorporate your, your work. Tell me a little bit about that. So I've been mending probably since I was in junior high, um, since I was began to wear my clothes out faster than I grew out of them is when I began to mend. And it's just, for me, it was always a real struggle going shopping and finding clothes that fit and that were comfortable. Since then, I found out that I really identify with this book called The Highly Sensitive Person by Elaine Aaron. And it was liberating to realize from reading that book that maybe I have a more sensitive nervous system than the average person and I actually feel my clothes mm. potentially more than other people feel them. And so that's why I'm always so irritated by my clothes in ways that <laughs> other people aren't. And so it was the case that it was just easier to mend things than to go shopping and try to find something new. And some of my early attempts at mending, um, you know, it was a way for me to make the garment so uncomfortable that then it was easier to go shopping instead of mending. But over time, I really developed um, you know, some, some things that were useful. And so especially I remember, again, when I was in college, I had a pair of jeans that were thinning on the sides, and I would just mm-hmm. sew back and forth with my sewing machine to fill in, trying to replace the thread that was, um, you know, in the lint every time I washed the the jeans. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's, for me, it started out as something that I was kind of embarrassed about, that I just couldn't go shopping or wear new clothes or, or try the newest styles. And because of the slow fashion movement and the many artists who are doing things with the visible mending hashtag and, you know, certainly Tom of Holland and Katrina Rotebrow, they're very inspiring, and being able to see the 
effects of fast fashion helped give me some pride in this thing that I was doing anyways. And I realized um, it, that it was special. So mm-hmm. now I, same as with my quilting, I've really transitioned to enjoying mending by hand and quilting by hand more than with a machine. But uh, it's, it's something that I enjoy and that now I'm really excited to have be a visible part of the clothing where mm-hmm. people can really see that it's mended and I'm not uh, embarrassed about that anymore. Yeah. I think it's a great conversation starter and it's a way into a really good meaty conversation. It's not small talk. You know, mm-hmm. it's an exciting thing <laughs> when somebody asks me about my mended knee patch or, <laughs> um, and, and you have pictures and you have pictures on your, on your site is HeidiParks.com, which, uh, which is an E in parks. And so like on your gallery mm-hmm. and on your mending page, you can come and see. So there's sort of like what quilters would call big stitch quilting. Uh, yeah. You know, where you're adding all this texture uh, and your actual, your a lot of your quilts that you're doing, you know, because I was like following your Instagram. And so that's Mm -hmm. what I was like, oh, I really (laughs) love this stuff. You're doing uh, a lot of this sort of stitching to create like the texture and the lines of the pieces. Mm -hmm. Are are these the works then that you submit to galleries and shows? Where does your work go? Yeah, so um, I... Everything that you see on my Instagram is pretty much everything that I'm making. I don't have a lot of secrets <laughs> from there. <laughs> and I, a lot of times lately I've found some great success with making work specifically for exhibitions that are a call for art. Mm-hmm. So, for example, I'm very involved locally in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, with the Wisconsin Museum of Quilts and Fiber Art and mm. their uh, Biennale, this year was called Keeping Warm, and I am a big winter fan. We've got six inches of snow in oh. April in <laughs> Milwaukee right now, <laughs> and I'm happy as a clam that we got one more good snowfall in. So You I might be the only one, Heidi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. I know. I'm an odd duck in more than one way, <laughs> but here's the thing. If it were hot and humid and sweaty, I would be suffering far more than I'm suffering by having to go out and shovel a little bit. That's no problem. No problem. So I made a quilt. I made a quilt all about that. And my passion for winter, it's 36 squares, and each square represents something about winter that I love. And, um, you know, that's an example of something that I made for a show with a particular call for it. I've also done work for... Um, the Threads of Resistance exhibition, and I've got a quilt traveling with that show right now, and I did a quilt for the Piecework Collective, and so that actually is a quilt that I'm really excited about. It felt like a big creative push forward, and I was invited to be part of this show, and the theme was color, and we had to all make quilts about the topic of color, but I had these ideas in my back pocket that I'd been stewing around for a while that I wanted to do a bigger whole cloth quilt and something that had a layer of transparent fabric above some brighter colored fabric. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times I'll have some quilts I'm daydreaming about and then they'll align with a call for art. And that for me is a really successful way of working 
Mm-hmm. So you you sort of do the work you want to do, and then uh, if it's this sort of eventually fits with something that's out there, so so that you could display. Kind of the opposite. Like I'll oh find, the opposite. <laughs> Sorry. I'll find, a, I'll find a a call that's exciting. Oh, I and see. Okay. I have all these ideas that I think, oh, that idea that's in the back of my head will ah. match with this call for art. Ah, okay. But okay, I make I make the quilt because mm-hmm. of the call for art. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> because quilting is slow, especially hand quilting is slow, mm-hmm. and I gotta really pick and choose every year which quilts I get to give birth to. Yeah, and we have about a minute and a half. Are you using your sewing machine at all right now, or are you doing uh, exclusively hand work? So I'm doing exclusively hand work right now. I had two sewing machines, and they both broke. And (laughs) then I do have a loaner machine from a friend of mine that she was going to give to Goodwill. So I own one, but I'm doing just hand work. And I have a show opening this Friday at a gallery here in Milwaukee called VAR Gallery. And I made six-inch by six-inch frames and wrapped quilts around those frames. And they're all entirely done by hand, no machine work at all, and there are 30 of them total. It was a big push to make 30 works of art in the first 30 days in January. Oh, wow. What a challenge. Mm-hmm. It was fun. <laughs> Oh, goodness. So, and quick I was, question. And I was sad when it was February. <laughs> oh, yeah, because you probably got when in a the role. challenge ended. Right. Yeah. So, I just, real quick, did you sketch those before you started? Hmm. No, I am very much an improvisational quilter. I identify as you know, improv, hand quilting mm-hmm. are my two passions. Mm-hmm. And... I wanted each piece for that to be a response to that day. So the first day, my family and I, we always go to watch the polar bears jump into Lake Michigan on the first. I'm not a jumper, mind you. I don't no, jump in the water. Watch. But I, <laughs> I find it fascinating to watch. And so then the first quilt is that no. landscape. It's the white oh. uh, snow on the ground and then the water and the blue. Guy and each Heidi, piece this in that been, series response that way. This has been wonderful, mm-hmm. Heidi. We ran out of time. <laughs> <laughs> it goes fast. Thank you, Pat. Thank you, Heidi. This quilting tip brought to you by Moda Fabrics. Visit modafabrics.com or your local quilt shop to see the latest fabric collections. To avoid mixing up various size strips once cut, you can write the measurements on the strip selvage. Get two full years of American Patchwork and Quilting delivered right to your door for the price of one. That's a full year free. Every issue is packed with never-before-seen projects from top designers, detailed photography, complete materials lists, and easy-to-use pull-out patterns and quilting diagrams. Subscribe today at allpeoplequilt.com. Welcome back to American Patchwork and Quilting's talk show. Uh, 
I'm going to give you Heidi's site. It's Heidi Parks, P-A-R-K-E-S dot com. So you can go see her work. And, you know, what is so fun is I get to talk to friends that I've known for a long time who are in the industry. And uh, Leslie Tucker Jennison is one of those. She was on the show quite a long time ago. And I thought, oh, we need to see what's up with Leslie. And so, Leslie, I'm so excited you can be here. I'm excited to be here, too, Pat. It's always fun to talk to you. You know, we um, have known each other a long time. I think we did a challenge. We both did this challenge, and that might be how we started, like, chatting, uh, writing on each other's blogs. Uh, do you remember that, the Nancy Drew challenge, like Nancy <gasps> Drew fabric? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You know, it's so funny that you bring that up because I was just talking about that on Saturday. I did a, a guild program locally, mm-hmm. actually, for the Greater San Antonio Quilt Guild, and I – I have that quilt in my presentation because I always equate Nancy Drew with my love of reading. Mm. I mean, I truly think that those books as a kid were my lead-in to being a lifelong reader. Mm-hmm. And so when I was given the opportunity to participate in the blog for that fabric, and it was, how many years ago was oh, that? Do you remember? Long time. A long time, a lot of years ago. (laughs) Yeah. But I jumped at the chance because I thought, oh, gosh, this is perfect for me. I just love it. It's just sort of like a way to have a little bit of that. Now what's funny is I've got this quilt made from that fabric, and my second daughter and I have a ritual, whatever. She's in town for a couple of days. We love to watch the at least one episode of the old series Murder, she wrote with Angela oh, Lansbury. Yes. She, she insists on always having that quilt when she's watching. So, yes, that's been a day or two ago for sure. Oh, that's the way. Now, I, I have to go find mine. I, I don't know where it is. I, I'm i like, where is that quilt that I did? I'll find it. Well, I'll go find it. Yeah, you know, it is funny, though, how, how quilts seem to disappear into the Borg. I was looking for a different quilt the other day to take to that same guild meeting. Do you think mm-hmm. I could find it? I'm thinking, where in the world yeah. is it? But we, you and I probably both have a mm-hmm. few quilts. Yes, just a couple. It's, in, it's understandable that occasionally they do get buried in the strata of things. <laughs> so we, we, we decided we'd talk about, like, you know, two things during this, uh, Leslie. One was I wanted to let everybody know that you have taken your wonderful artwork and put it onto fabric that we can buy at, with RJR. Um, and this, you have, like, your second or third line coming out? I have two in the can, as they say, and the third one is going to be coming out at Fall Quilt Market mm-hmm. in Houston. I just got the digital strike offs for that, and I'm very excited about it. So, Has this yes. been fun for you to take your art and see it just expand out on massive amounts of yardage? It is so darn much fun. <laughs> it's just crazy. And, you know, I think... I don't know how many people come at it like this, but I I consider myself sort of an accidental fabric designer because, as you said, I've been doing this surface design work where I dye my own fabric, print my own fabric with personal imagery, and I've been using that fabric for many years prior to becoming a, quote, fabric designer, Mm -hmm. and I use that in my own work. And so I really hadn't aspired to being a fabric designer. It sort of found me. 
um, the artistic director of RJR approached me a few years ago and said, you know, hey, we like, we've looked at your work. We like your work. We were sort of interested in talking to you about whether you'd like to design some fabric for us. And I literally said to her, really? <laughs> really? <laughs> are you sure? I mean, I know I like making it for my own work, but are you sure that's going to translate into something that, you know, could be printed commercially? And she goes, well, yeah, we, we think so. Yeah. So it's been fun, and it's also, I think for me, the big paycheck really is that it's so exciting. You know this as a fabric designer. It's mm-hmm. so fun to see what people do with your fabric, and they use yeah. it in ways you could never have imagined. And that's just super exciting for me. Yeah, I love that part too. It's like just, you know, even though I design lots of things, people have ways and they use it that it's like that's so cute and I would have never done that. You know, it's it yes. is the, the best part. I love your really colors. Is. You know, then how you everything feels very layered in each piece, which is very Thank you. cute. Yeah. Thank you. Tri- well, I've had some amazing uh mentors along the way of learning how to use imagery and manipulate it and change the scale and add layers and add depth. So I'm very fortunate in that way. I've had some excellent people who have shared their knowledge with me. And, um, you know, I, the fabric is so personal. You're really sharing a bit of your own story, I think. And I'm sure it's the same way for you. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm coming up with these I'm thinking about certain things as I'm designing a line of fabric, and I don't know. I want to believe that people respond to that, even if they don't know the specifics of the mm-hmm. story, and uh, I think that's what's fun about it. Yeah, I think it keeps everything being having your touch and your hand and your personality on it because of how you each of us approaches what we're doing. So, mm-hmm. they can, you know, they and can look first, at it. Yeah. I think people can kind of respond to that, even if they don't quite know the whole detail of the, of the story behind it. And I think that's probably true of every designer, and I would say that's true regardless of how they work. In my case, mm-hmm. I tend to – some of mine are begin their life as a drawing, and then that mm-hmm. gets translated into what I call thermofax screen, which is a way of um, getting imagery onto cloth, mm-hmm. similar to a silk screen. But I think everybody, has, whether they're working directly on the cloth or whether they're working on their computer to figure out the, the pattern and the design of it, that's, that's what's interesting and fascinating about a story. And I think each line that we make as designers has a story. So mm-hmm. It fun. does. It does. It's deep down in there. <laughs> or sometimes it's right on top, you know. Sometimes it's really obvious what the story is. Uh, right. So, as in Nancy Drew, for example. Right, like Nancy Drew, right. It's a very obvious story. So we also talked, exactly. Leslie, about staying healthy when we quilt. You know, that it's really, it, you know, all of us sort of have in the back of our mind, you know, we're going to be able to quilt forever, uh, you know, and and we want to quilt forever. But we also sort of need to address our, you know, address that foreverness uh, by Yes. By doing some things as we as we move along, um, and you know, you had yes. some good ideas. Maybe you could start out. Just you know, what is one of the things that you've either changed yourself or you've seen people change to be able to keep healthy and quilt longer? Well, I'm probably the poster child for 
you know, not doing things along the way that maybe I should have been doing. And so now I am uh, paying the piper a little bit. I've been at this sort of work for quite a long time. I started seriously uh, making work. Well, I started as a quilt maker in the late 70s, early 80s, but I was working as an RN and, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't making quilts as intensively perhaps at that point as I am now. And I think the body mechanics of the things that we do, regardless of how we approach quilt making, whether it's cutting with scissors, cutting with a rotary cutter, all those things have a repetitive motion attached to them. Mm-hmm. And eventually, as what has happened for me in the last couple of years, I'm starting to have what I think are some symptoms of use injury. Uh, they're manifesting themselves as some tendonitis and a little bit of arthritis. So it's hard to know how much of that might have happened anyway. Mm-hmm. Some of it, I'm sure, is hereditary. But there's no question that the repetitive motions of the things that I'm doing as an artist in the studio are catching up with me a little bit. So to counteract that, and I should have been doing this right along, but I guess when it's not a problem, we don't think <laughs> right. about it. That's yeah. really the key, isn't it? Yeah, you just think, it, well, okay, I'll is. do it someday. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it or right. whatever the thing is. So now I'm actually right now in physical therapy to deal with some of these things. And it's. I think everybody's like this as a quilt maker, as an artist of any kind. We get so absorbed in our work that... I don't. I have no sense of time passing at all. I can be in here in the afternoon, and the next thing I know, I look up and it's dark outside, and it's mm-hmm. nine o'clock at night. And so, what I've had to actually start doing is setting the alarm on my phone. This sounds ridiculous, but I actually have to do it because if I don't do that, I don't remember to take a stretch break. Mm-hmm. And now I absolutely must do that and when I do the stretch break I'm also I have a couple of those little half those little plastic bottles that are sort of like the half size bottles I have those in my freezer Mm -hmm. and I always go out and I make myself a cup of tea I get one of those bottles out of the freezer and I sit down with my cup of tea and I roll that up and down my arms and hold it in my hands and that's part of the regimen that I, I mean, there are other aspects of it as well, but the ice is so important to all this because ice does kind of reduce the inflammatory process. And it's been extremely helpful to have some, I mean, I got some professional advice and I've been going in and getting some other things done, but I think that all of us, and this is something I do as a workshop facilitator now, too. In the middle of the workshop, I always have people go through a few stretching exercises and have them change their position and so on and so forth because I'm trying to instill the habit in them that I didn't have it myself, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, but well, I do think I, it's extremely important. Yeah, getting up and moving is I, – I have um, the little thing that tells me, like, every hour if I haven't – done like so many steps you know it's sort of na- it sort of nags me 10 minutes before oh. the hour and it's it's the that's it's, good yeah the the fitbit thing and so on 10 minutes before the hour it tells me how many i have to get 250 so at least i should be trying to get 250 and it's surprising how long i could just like in, in a nanosecond i've been sitting here an hour and i didn't even realize it and haven't moved exactly yeah that's exactly right 
it's it's I think there's part of our brain that just shuts off the passage of time when we're working and when we're absorbed <laughs> in what we're doing. At least that's how it it's like a black hole for me. I love it and I could just sit here and or or move around in my studio mm-hmm. and be completely disengaged from the rest of the world. I guess some people call that flow and mm-hmm. It's wonderful. Most Mm -hmm. of it, 99% of that is a wonderful, fabulous thing. But the part that's sort of not taking care of the physical aspect of it is is, uh, maybe not as well engaged in my head as it should be. So that little alarm you have is a good idea. Yeah, I think anybody can set an alarm, um, you know, like you you put it on your phone, you know, there's all kind on your computer, if that's where you're sitting. I bet some of those fancy uh-huh. sewing machines have alarms, right, Leslie? I you know, they maybe they do. Mine doesn't seem to have, or if mine has it, I haven't figured out where, where to set the alarm. So, but it, it would be a very good, uh, it would be a very good little side feature for sure. Right. Absolutely. So, so um, online, where can people find you besides your website? I mean, are you doing a lot on Instagram, Facebook, your blog? Well, I'm on Facebook some, but I have to say that I live on Instagram. Mm-hmm. I'm on Instagram, and I am not a person who simply – I know that there's there's some differences of opinion about, as an artist, should you just curate your Instagram feed so that it's strictly – art focused, but I have sort of uh, pushed back at that in my own mind because to me, some of the other things I do in my life inform what I do in the studio. Mm-hmm. So although it's primarily what I'm doing in the studio, I'm out in the garden every morning walking around and taking pictures of bees or, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of stuff seems to find itself on my Instagram feed too. So I consider it pretty organic in nature. Mm-hmm. Well, and you you do beautiful photography. It is always a joy to go and uh, see what your what what is in your interest. Your you know via your photos. I mean, that's what I like. Thank you. And you know, I find that fascinating about other artists as well. I, I find that I'm as curious about the things that artists, whether it's a quilt artist or some other media. I love to know what those people look at, what they're fascinated Mm -hmm. with, what attracts them, what kind of patterning and all those sorts of things. So I guess I let that inform my own Instagram feed as well. Leslie, this has been so much fun. Thank you for joining me. So fun to talk to you, Pat, always. (laughs) Bye-bye. We'll be right back. Join American Patchwork and Quilting on Facebook for daily quilting inspiration, tips, giveaways, and more. Find us at facebook.com backslash APQ Magazine. This quilting tip brought to you by Moda Fabrics. Visit modafabrics.com or your local quilt shop to see the latest fabric collections. Press and seal can be used to hold pieced units in place before sewing together.
Welcome back to American Patchwork and Quilting's podcast. I'm your host, Pat Sloan, and we are going to talk about Moda Fabric now. Yay! And we're going to talk about scrap quilts. Yay! With the wonderful and talented Lisa Alexander. So, Lisa, thank you for carving out some minutes for me this afternoon. Hey, Pat. I'm, ex- I'm excited to join you. You know, when I wrote to you and I was like, I want to talk about this new pre-cut that you have. And I want to talk about your book that we just did the book tour for. So, you know, let's talk about the the um, the new pre-cut first. Would that be okay? Oh, fantastic. Yes. Yeah. So it's, you uh, know, there, there are new color cuts? Yeah, the color cuts because okay. it, they look so fun. Yeah, we... Um, Kind of this, we just introduced some. In fact, they're shipping in May, so pretty, pretty, pretty soon. Mm-hmm. But uh, a little game that we always play around the office is whenever we get a whole new collection, we'll open up, up a bunch of charm packs, mm-hmm. and everyone kind of just sorts them around like they're a deck of cards and stuff. Playing with them, and um, it actually turned into like color lessons mm-hmm. that. Um, was fun to kind of watch, you know, every, everybody play with and mm-hmm. which fabrics they would put together if they literally had their own uh, huge stash of fabric or owned their own own quilt store. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they didn't really start out to be a collection all on their own. They started out to be an add-on collection. Mm-hmm. So say you were buying a... Um, a collection from, say, Corey Yoder, mm-hmm. and she just had, I think Pepper and Flax is hers, and but she wanted to add more yellows. Right. So you could go and pull a color cut of yellows, and, and it'd just be an add-on. Mm-hmm. But then as we're, as we're playing with it, we also, uh, we haven't done this particular pre-cut very often, but it's called a dessert roll. Okay. And it's a five five inch strip by forty five inches, and um, we've done it, you know, from time to time. If mm-hmm. the designer has a pattern that they want to feature with it, but it's five inches, so it could literally be cut into the size of a jelly roll, two and a half mm-hmm. inch strips, or it could be combined and cut as five inch squares for charm packs. So it it was truly just like you wanted to double the size of a jelly roll, you know, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, you know, and so we offered. I was going to say when when you're working, like you you're the director of marketing at Moda, and so when you say like the people were playing with these, is this like your staff, or did you go out to like the warehouse and gather some folks out there and said, hey, we want to see what you pick? I mean, how is it just something that you've kept going across the whole company? Who's who sort of like played with the fabric? Well, we actually have a, we, we call it Wednesday Book Club. Uh-huh. But we, we get together on Wednesdays for lunch, and just because we call it Book Club makes it sound like it's, you know, some <laughs> official thing, but it really is. You know, if, if, if the book, book and Notion buyer has some new books, she'll bring mm-hmm. those over. The, um, so it's, it's probably a mixture of uh, buyers, the marketing team and the design team. And uh, this really just had started with a, a game. I love to do it myself because I love the scrappy quilts. And so mm-hmm. I love to, you know, break apart the charm packs. But I was really just interested in seeing through other people's eyes mm-hmm. 
what they saw as color and value and scale and all those, you know, big fancy words for uh, that we deal with in color. So um, probably just, yeah, m- mainly marketing and design would are usually the ones that are involved in that. So I think it is interesting to see what people are drawn to uh, when you just open up a whole pile of things, you know, say pick your favorites or make a collection. So these new color cuts, are they fabrics designed just for that or are they from no, all no, the designers? No, no, they, they- yeah, they they cover. Um, I think the most is four different designers. Oh, okay, so it's not anything new. I mean, they can. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's all brand new collections. Right, but you could order it by the bulk, and you and that. But we like just you know truly. You know, like when you go out to to dinner and it mm-hmm. comes time to order the dessert, mm-hmm. and all you really want is like a bite of each of the right. things on the menu. <laughs> that's kind of what this was is you know we created a quilt that's called the dessert sampler um but it is just having a little piece of each of them instead of you know mm-hmm. one big huge order of cheesecake and six forks you know right <laughs> you know i i love it because there are times when i'm using a lot of one color and so i run low and I and to me this is perfect. Then I can just go replenish uh, and have a working collection of just that color I'm missing. If I'm low on yeah. I, somehow I got low yeah. on red, Lisa. I don't know how I got I low on. Me too. This year, me too. Yes. Uh, it's like how does that? <laughs> that's not so right. Red. I do too. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like thinking I need to order more red. And sometimes you don't want, like, you know, particularly when you're thinking scrappy, you don't want to buy, you know, a quarter yard or a half a yard. Uh, you know, you want to buy just a little bit. So you have a lot more of yeah. them. This is so neat. Or, or, you know, like yellow yellow might go a long way. Um, right. So you don't need a lot of it. So, you know, experiment oh. with maybe a color that you're not uh, necessarily used to buying. And then magically you fall in love with that. So, purple's my one that I don't have a, a lot of, and there's like there's so yeah, many. Yeah, I don't things. either. Yeah, yeah, there's that. And that's my, my grandson's. Oh, favorite. my grandson's favorite color is purple now. So, <laughs> well, then you just have to be stocking up on purple. I know it. Yeah. Yep. So there are how many different color sets did you come out with to start this? There were six. Okay. Six colors and, and five colors and a, and a neutral, like a low volume, okay. um, one for backgrounds. Okay, perfect, perfect. Now, this is a, a, a great segue into um, your, your book because uh, your book is all about scraps. Um, I, was, I was so excited to do the tour for it because you used our, your block for the Splendid Sampler to sort of expand it out to a whole quilt. Um, you know, what, what made you get started with that? book because you're very prolific Lisa you make so many quilts you make them for collections you make them for the magazines you you always have something on the go well the um at, at work it, it's you know because you work for a fabric company your job is your hobby you know you know kind of what what that's about well you know twice a year for quilt market we have deadlines so you know we're going to make a bunch of quilts for the show and 
uh, several of us at the office always just sign up for, you know, we're going to make a certain quilt. Yeah. Well, as, as time happened, there would be sicknesses or, you know, family emergencies or things that happened. So I actually stopped officially signing up for a quilt mm-hmm. because I wanted the flexibility of if quite often we would tag team a quilt. You know, one person would do the applique, I would do the piecing, you know, things like that. But um, I would still push myself as if I still had that deadline. Mm. So I, I would just be making a scrap quilt or sewing something that, you know, mentally I'd given myself the same mm-hmm. deadline, mm-hmm. but no one was expecting it to be done. Right. You know, <laughs> so the... Um, so that's kind of, you know, so uh, then I'd start showing it to, you know, the editors of American Patchwork and Quilting or, you know, some of those kind of places and mm-hmm. was lucky enough to get featured in uh, some of their magazines. And um, so then a couple of years ago, Jennifer Keltner, you know, took over at Martingale as the chief visionary officer. I love her title. I know. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, isn't that a great title? <laughs> it certainly suits her well. Mm-hmm. The um, And, you know, I, I love color. So when I say scrap quilts, it's, it really was hard that it, I don't necessarily feel like it's everything, you know, including the kitchen sink is, mm-hmm. is kind of the term. But it is... I love working with each of the designers and using some of their fabrics and putting those all all together. So a lot of my scraps would have been leftovers from pre-cuts. So it's not like, you know, I have tons of different things, but uh, bits and pieces from charm packs or layer cakes and, um, or even just leftover fat quarters and fat eights. But I truly love playing with the color. Yeah. And, you know, you told me, too, that you don't really keep, I mean, you, you're you just making stuff all the time. And so you don't really keep a lot of extra scraps. They're just like you just said, down. they're the more current scraps that you just sort of incorporate and right. move forward. Yeah. So yeah. you're always yeah. got something being yeah. created. Because even like the... Uh, what, what, one time I kept scraps, you know, when the whole paper foundation piecing phase, you know, was beginning uh, many years ago, I literally kept like a shoebox full of the teeniest, tiniest scraps <gasps> thinking, oh, yeah. well, then, I, then I'm like, this is insane. Yeah. And uh, a, fr- a friend of mine throws those fabric scraps out outside for the birds to come and get mm-hmm. and build their nest. And so that became my, uh, I'm like, okay, this is absolutely crazy (laughs) so um yeah i you know i I do i straighten off my fabric when i first cut it if it's yardage or a pre-cut of some kind and so i do probably have a lot of one and a half inch strips Mm -hmm. and uh and then sub cut you know from there but um you end up spending more time organizing than you do sewing so right I yeah. try not to do that to where it gets out of control. Right. Then, yeah, you do. You can easily get sucked into, like, cutting all your fabric up or, you know, resorting it yeah. and making, a you know, a, a whole thing about how to store it. Instead, you, Lisa, right. you just sew right. it up. Like, no, just make a quilt. Yeah, That's exactly. <laughs> well, it's therapy, isn't it? I mm-hmm. mean, you know, it's... Uh, yeah. 
It is. It is so wonderful to just be able to pull stuff. And that's what I like about your book is because the, everything in there is you can just look at it and go, okay, I really like that. Now let me just pull this collection or pull this group of colors and then just go because they're not complex. They're just full of life. There's so much gorgeousness. You did good. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I I appreciate it. So I learned a lot through the whole entire process. And even just like the splendid sampler, just that one little six-inch block, Mm -hmm. I think mine was named Starting Point, right, Mm -hmm. on that on Splendid Sampler 1. Yeah. And from that one six-inch block, it just kept on growing and growing and growing. And that's how I think pretty much all of our quilting lives have, uh, you know, started with something small and to continue to grow and grow and uh so I, I enjoyed being a part of that whole process too so yeah so many of uh, the in the whole community then you know like when we did the tour oh, for your doubt, book yeah. you know it's like you just see what everybody else is inspired and how they like to make things and then you do a lot on instagram so you can see what people have made that must be so satisfying yeah, it really is, and especially because I've always kind of prided myself on working behind the scenes, mm-hmm. and so to really put myself out there was a whole other kind of different experience, and uh, to have so many friends that helped me spread the word, and uh, plus, it's just fun to say the title of the book, Oh, Scrap. Oh, Scrap. Oh, scrap. It is <laughs> awesome. And my, is my awesome. biggest nightmare was... Yeah, was that the publishers didn't say, you know, when they got all my quilts and everything, oh, crap, this is, oh. You know, what are we going to do with this? <laughs> oh, Lisa, this has been so much fun. Thank you for Thank meeting. you, thank you. <laughs> this is American Patchwork and Quilting's podcast. I'm Pat Sloan, and we'll be back uh, with another new show, all sponsored by Moda Fabrics. Join me online at Quilt along with Pat Sloan on Facebook, and I will chat with you there anytime. Remember to visit allpeoplequilt.com for more information on topics from today's show, as well as how-to videos, free printable patterns, and additional tips and techniques. Thanks for listening to American Patchwork and Quilting Radio.